There's war going on in this world. A war on freedom. He's acting outside of his authority by saying you can't put something that you want in your own body. That's your own personal choice and can't nobody take that from you, you know? You're one of these taxpayers and these are all your documents and this is how we're gonna rob you. It's fucked up, man. It's more war, it's more spending, it's more debt, and it's less freedom. We don't do that here. Some people think that you can't be radical and pragmatic. This is what we need is a pragmatic radicalism, not moderation. Hardcore radicalism, but smart shit. It's not sitting in a fucking basement with a bunch of fucking nerds. You don't know shit, and that's the thing. You have to talk to people who think differently than you. But his focus is not how horrible the government is. It's how wonderful liberty and freedom are. That's what drives us. People are coming together more and more and more and more as the government has been failing us. We're just getting started. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Fight for Liberty Live. Uh, we've got an awesome show for you guys tonight. I've been really excited about this one for a while. But first, we got to do a little bit of housekeeping uh, and tell you about some of our awesome sponsors for the show. Uh, same as always, Nug of Knowledge. Uh, they're my favorite sponsor because they were my first and they'll probably be my last. Uh, so Nug of Knowledge is a great place to get all of your premium legal cannabis items. Uh, so whether you're looking for CBD, CBG, we've got flour, we've got uh, Delta 8 THC cartridges, we've got some edibles, all sorts of stuff. Uh, go to nugofknowledge.com. You can use that promo code F4L to get 10% off your first purchase and uh, you'll help out the show, the network, everything. It's awesome. Uh, or, you know, if you want to just go on to Nug of Knowledge and buy me some stuff because I'm out at the moment, that would be also awesome. Um, but I'm mostly kidding. Get it for yourself. Uh, our other sponsor, the one, the only Tom Queter. He is rolling for New York State Senate and he is uh, doing a great job so far. We're really excited about this campaign. So if you want to learn more about Tom Queter or if you want to help out, uh, there are links in the description below to uh, find out more about his campaign or donate. Um, or just like, you know, go to his Facebook page and give it a like or a, a reply or something. Tell him he's awesome. Whatever you want to do. How about the campaign? However you see fit. That would be super great. Uh, but today we're doing a Right for Liberty special. So I've got four guests tonight. All of them are awesome authors. I have read at least excerpts of all of these people's books, if not uh, large chunks and I like all of their writing styles. I like how they've been able to include liberty into their writing, even if the writing isn't about liberty specifically. So I'm going to bring them up one by one. We've got my good friend, Mr. Harrison Kemp, all the way from Maine. Uh, he is the author of A Parasite's Paradise, as well as um, Closing Freedom, which is what I'm currently reading. Um, Next up, we have Mr. Derek Wills, the host of Gentlemen for Liberty and the author of The Liberty Solution. Um, and for the record, you guys can find the links to all of these books also in the description if you want to go check them out. Next up, we have back on the show our favorite Canadian, Mr. Killian Hobbs from Being Libertarian and Think Liberty, also the author of Bad Arguments and the head of Champion Books, which we'll talk about more on this. Uh, and then last but definitely not least, the one, the only, Jack Casey. 
author of the Royal Green series, and now uh, was it wolves, vampires, and witches? Correct? Did I say that in the right <laughs> order? Hell yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was so afraid when I wrote that down that I mixed up the W's and uh, I, I do the same thing, honestly. It's kind of a it's a it's a choose your own adventure book in a way. <laughs> I dig it. Well, welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, bud. All right. So my first question, I'll just like have you guys kind of go one by one to answer because it's for everybody. Um, were you guys always into writing or is this something that you found uh, later on in life? And well, let's just go in the order I brought you guys up. Yeah, so for me, I actually hated writing most of my life. I did not like writing anything. I didn't even really like reading. And it's because I was taught that when you write, you have to write about these specific topics. I only ever wrote for school. So I never really got to explore my imagination, my creativity. And it was never writing about something I wanted to write about. It was writing about a book that I didn't want to read. So mm. when I got older and started being a little more creative and thinking outside the box and trying to think of a way to really tell a story, that's when I got into writing. It wasn't until I was about 20, 27, 28 that I got into writing. Oh, wow. What about you, Derek? So uh, I always kind of had a, a knack for writing. Uh, I wouldn't say that I enjoyed it, uh, but I do recall there were a couple of times in high school where I made a nice little side income writing papers for people. Um, but... Uh, after that, I, I didn't really write all that much. I was, let's see, I, I was probably 2014, 2015. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a, kind of a libertarian-leading conservative at this point in my life, and I'm trying to get out all this pent-up anger that I have, and a friend of mine sa- suggested that I start writing op-eds. And so I did that, and, you know, I got uh, published first by... IJ Review, uh, did a couple of pieces there, uh, did Being Libertarian a couple of times. Uh, and after that, I realized I actually enjoy writing because, like Harrison said, you're picking the topics that you want to write about. Um, and then from there, I decided, okay, yeah, I'm going to write a book. Nice. Yeah. Um, for me, you know, I've always had a, uh, I've always had enjoyment of just storytelling and um, being able to kind of like craft ideas, craft a world, be able to put ideas into different people's minds just by talking to them or writing it out or having that kind of just conversation, that discourse in whichever way you can have it. Um, I didn't really start getting into the writing side of things until probably 2014, 2015. Um, primarily just with like uh, articles and stuff like that. Um, Cause I realized, you know, I'm spending so much effort just pissing it away in like Facebook comment sections and stuff like that and arguing with social media, all that sort of stuff. And I say to myself, you know, for the amount of time I'm researching and doing all that, you know what, may as well put together something proper. And that just kind of snowballed into everything now. Nice. What about you, Casey? Uh, if you're asking, have I always been a huge nerd? The answer is yes. Um, I've <laughs> been, uh, as a lover of stories and with a big imagination as a kid growing up um, and being a huge fan of different series, I was always writing to process stuff and, you know, <clears throat> you know, uh, using creative outlets to channel things like anger and other things, as mentioned. Um, and then it was only when I was around 17 that I 
I had the crazy idea of actually finishing and trying to publish something at some point. And, um, and it took me much longer to then actually finish writing, editing and do it. Um, but yeah, through that process, I also discovered a lot of my current political and philosophical and even spiritual beliefs, because through that process, I was asking myself those deeper questions, trying to figure out, you know, what I really think and why and, and exploring that through the characters and the storytelling. So, uh, so here I am now. Nice. And I really like you, you posted something, I think it was just yesterday where you said, uh, I don't, I don't write to sell books. I sell books so I can write. <laughs> and that, and I, honestly, I loved that. Like that, that sounds like the way that it's supposed to be not like. It, it is outlet. half plagiarized. I will say it's a very thinly veiled reference to a character in another story. Um, but I changed it for my purposes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. Um, borrowed, but repurposed. <laughs> I dig it. Um, actually, which is a good kind of lead into what I first wanted to talk about, because I think, Jack, your books are probably do the most of this. Uh, but what's really interesting to me about your guys's books is that you uh, were able to, like I said in the intro, kind of combine your philosophies with your passions. Um, so even like Killian, like I feel like people could read bad arguments without being a libertarian libertarian because it's still uh, pretty prevalent to most pieces of, of life. Uh, same with Harrison, your, uh, your allegory is not necessarily, you know, you don't have to be a libertarian to read your guys' books, which is something that I think is cool. Uh, but I wanted to, this doesn't have to be like an organized, more of just a conversation of how, how you guys were able to kind of combine the, your passions with, uh, with your writing. So for me, yeah, for me, I actually didn't write a Parasite's Paradise for libertarians. I wrote it for the quote unquote normies. So that way they could have a bridge to libertarianism where they don't feel like they're being propagandized. But in reality, as anyone who's read the book knows, the entire thing is basically libertarian propaganda. I go through the philosophy. I go through history. I go through intellectual heroes in the libertarian movement. Uh, people who have really put their their mouth where their or excuse me put their money where their mouth is and lived the libertarian philosophy. Uh, people like Herbert Dow, who was able to evade the German markets when they were trying to force him out of Germany. He was a chemical provider, and they were saying, "Nope, we're going to undercut you. We're not going to allow you to sell here." And he comes in and starts just buying all their products and undercutting them. And so he's a, someone in the book. You'll meet Paul Krugman. You'll meet Mises. You're going to meet so many people that you, we as libertarians know, but the normies don't. They've never heard of them. Uh, and then, you know, the, the latest book I wrote, I wrote that specifically for libertarians. So I think a lot of us have a really big kind of gap in what we do. You know, we're very interested in a lot of things. And like you said, that just allows us to have a, a kind of big breadth of knowledge on these topics. For sure. Mm -hmm. Like for myself, um, whenever I'm trying to write something, I always think to myself, you know, the, one of the like one of the biggest things that I think you need to be able to answer when you're writing something is who is this for? Right. Um, like sometimes you write a project just for yourself or you have a certain audience in mind or a certain thing you're trying to like accomplish with what you're writing. I've always tried to write from the perspective of I want to get my ideas and thoughts and arguments and all that stuff out there. And I want to get it out there in a way that someone could actually change their mind by reading this. 
So that's that's always kind of shaped the way that I try to present my arguments to the way that I try to just shape the way that I write things so that it's not, you know, it's not put in a way where people who already agree with me are going to love it. It's put out there so that people who don't agree with me will actually give it the time of day and then that can turn into a conversation and that can turn into a convert. Nice. I dig it. Um, yeah, I, I feel like uh, you 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 brought up a really good point there of like who's it who's it for and uh, yeah I, I like that that it's kind of a wide breadth when we when we're talking about all the different books especially what you just mentioned Harrison like a lot of you guys have a couple of different kind of avenues that you've targeted with your various writings and they're especially you you're all over the place with like your homelessness pamphlet and then like an allegory over here and then a sales book over here like. Yeah, I, I try to cover everything. That way no one can say that I haven't given these things thought. You know, for instance, like I, I wrote the whole pamphlet on homelessness because I'd gotten into a conversation with someone and I realized I just didn't have the information at my hand. Like I had the philosophical underpinnings to make a good argument for why the free market would be better. But when push came to shove, I realized I didn't have the actual intellectual firepower of well, here's what is causing the problems. Here's what we could do to fix it. So that that's what motivated me for that. So like Killian was saying, I knew the audience for that was, it was first, the research was for myself, but then the writing of it was for people who want to believe in that the free market can do everything, but don't actually believe that yet. You know, the conservative types who say, well, we need all these social programs because uh, it, it's, really going to help us improve the economy and yada, yada, being able to give them the free market answer from someone who's more free market than them, but also at the same time, bringing in the left leaning types. When I talk about, you know, mental health issues and drug addiction and how we can fix those problems to help fix the homelessness crisis. And then yeah, all the way to a sales book where I'm teaching you how to go out and have these conversations. It's a great book, but so, so far, by the way, I'm like halfway through it now. It's still Thank taking you. me so much longer to read it than it took you to write it. <laughs> yeah, that was a quick book. I was really surprised. That whole thing went from uh, first words on paper to printed in about three and a half months. That's impressive. Uh, yeah, it seems like we, we each, it's cool that, like, like you said, like we're trying to reach people who aren't already fully on our team and the fact that we've all usually at some point not been on this team we can relate to how it felt to be someone before that process and so try, trying to write to them in a way that kind of re-walks them through the journey you went through by kind of phrasing stuff in a way that made sense to you at the time that got you going too that, that's really cool i like that in, in my case I'm, I'm just what i'm doing is using swords and magic to dazzle and confuse and then ensnare them with the libertarian ideas but i like that that helps bleed into the you know the fantasy world where people are looking for that and then they can go oh i learned a little something too while i was here um mm -hmm. and then they can then pick up your guys books and go okay now what is this actually about and get the real like <laughs> the real stuff <laughs> yeah i like that uh with your book jack it it actually like gives you a an idea of what a libertarian world could look like uh which i think in for most people even most libertarians that's a difficult thing to really picture and talk about and say like what it would actually be like without 
this atrocious authoritarian government over us because none of us have ever experienced actual liberty. Uh, and, you know, there's a couple of other books and movies and stuff, but there's not a whole lot out there that shows like what could happen in a good way. You know, we've got like RoboCop and Judge Dredd and all of like the complete right. opposite version of like sci-fi and fantasy. But there isn't a whole lot that can actually just be like, this is what liberty would look like tangibly. It's not that bad. See, the world isn't burning. In you know, it's it's all right. Yeah. See, see examples of when the uh, the heroes might win or or buy themselves some some time of peace or some kind of prosperity where you can actually see. Oh, look, here's the good outcome maybe that you could have if you you don't uh, if you don't fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um. So, Derek, I know your book uh, is is a little bit less uh, along this, these lines of like, uh, you know, messaging to non-libertarians. You, you've got the whole Statue of Liberty on the cover and it looks also badass cover, by the way. Thank um, you. <laughs> I was to, to be honest, uh, I was I told the graphic artist, I said, look, uh, the Statue of Liberty is very overused. I'm not opposed to using it but chances are I won't use a design with the Statue of Liberty in it. So, I mean, you can create some concepts, but uh, it's got to be unique and, and powerful uh, for me to pick it. And lo and behold, that was the one that I ended up going with. Nice. <laughs> um, so I do want to talk about uh, a, like getting uh, like endorsements and, and other people to kind of promote your books i know derek you have the forward in your book is by walter block which is really awesome so I'm curious how you got that to happen uh so um so when i we, we all start to, uh y'all spoke about your your journeys um when i first started writing this book i was um i was a few steps above a minarchist. I was I was a libertarian, but still, you know, somewhat statist. And as I went through the the journey of writing it, I became more and more of an ANCAP. Um, during the middle of my writing, uh, you know, my goal was to have Austin Peterson write the forward because I thought that he was just the greatest thing. Um, well, I've since learned. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, but uh, once I realized that AP wouldn't be the right person to write the forward for this, um, I went to the Mises Caucus group and I'm just like, hey, guys, here's what happened. Uh, I no longer want to have AP, you know, anywhere near this project. Uh, who would y'all recommend? And um Stephen Clyde actually recommended that I reach out to Multiplot. And um, I shot him an email just kind of in the dark. And he was absolutely, um, he loved the idea and uh, he was happy to write it. And I was blown away whenever I actually got his forward. It was uh, probably one of the most humbling compliments I've ever received in my life. So uh, was, was, I, I'm still, I still can't believe that he wrote the forward to my first book. That is pretty awesome. I think there's a little bit of uh, reverb coming through, and I think it's on your end, Derek. Uh, I don't mine? know. If, um, I don't know if you guys are hearing that, or maybe it's just on my end. Um, Sounds like someone's cutting their hair. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, That's the CIA listening in. 
That's their yeah. bugging equipment. <laughs> <laughs> the NSA was really intrigued by this episode. They really wanted to know how we propagandize <laughs> what we're doing. Right. Okay, uh, so you muted and it didn't exactly. stop, so I don't think it's actually you. Uh, <clears throat> okay, well, Mr. NSA agent, I hope that you enjoy the show. Yeah, they might learn something while they're here. <laughs> right? uh, they they might turn to our side, so this is good. <laughs> that would be great. One, one, a girl could dream, can't she? Right. <laughs> uh, so, but the next thing I want to ask you guys about is how you actually got your books published, because uh, I know that for a lot of people, that's like the the main thing kind of holding them back is that you know maybe i could write it but then how the fuck am i going to actually get it printed and produced and i don't have enough money to do all of that um, so I, I if i'm not mistaken all of you guys kind of went different routes for that so i'm curious how they all went if you want to go like in the same order that uh you're on the screen yeah so uh, i actually asked uh dr block's advice on this you know, he's somebody that published, you know, several books. He's edited several books. Um, and he had said, you know, whenever he first published Defending the Undefendable, it was rejected over 500 times. So keep asking literary agents. Well, I got to about 200 rejections and uh, I decided to go against his advice and I just published on Amazon. Uh, and uh, this wasn't just you know, out of frustration, I actually spoke with some people uh, that were in publishing, that worked in publishing, and talking about the pros and cons of getting a literary agent versus self-publishing. Um, and to me, I, I decided just to do uh, Kindle Direct Publishing uh, through Amazon just because of weighing the pros and cons. It, it seemed like a better deal uh, for me because this, I mean, this is not anarcho capitalism is not a mainstream idea. It's not going to be a New York Times bestseller. Uh, and in order for me to sell this, I have to market it. And I would have to do that regardless if I had a literary agent or not. So uh, ultimately, it was just do you like having a bigger royalty and still having to do the same amount of work that you would have to do for a smaller royalty or, you know, or what? So I, I just decided, okay, I'm going to self-publish. Uh, and this same individual hooked me up with the uh, graphic artist as well as a typesetter and an editor. Um, so it, it actually worked out quite well. Uh, well, in my case uh <coughs> excuse me weird throat thing all day hopefully not the other thing um <laughs> but now um so uh, in my case uh i pitched the idea to champion books which was uh well which is a subsidiary thing for being libertarian who i was already kind of involved with anyway with some of the writing and editing there um i pitched it with them um they liked the idea. I just kind of worked with uh, the editors we had in-house to kind of get everything wrapped up and put together, added a bunch of extra content to it because a good chunk of it was a collection of articles that I had previously written. Um, so, like, not to, not to use it as a plug, but with the Champion Books thing, the way we've got it set up is it's not – it's kind of, like, in the middle between literary agent and self-publishing, so you still get some of the assistance and help in getting it all built up and set and ready to go, but it's not – 
it, it's not as uh, tricky of a process as some of the other routes are. Like I know if I had to put out, you know, 200, 300, 400 applications to places to get it published, I'd have ended up shelving the thing, I'm sure. But um, yeah, no, so just from some of the connections there and just talking to people for publishing articles, that's what led to eventually making the book and then kind of having that option there. Nice. You can feel free to, to push champion books as much as you want in this episode, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Harrison? So for me, I actually just went the self-publishing route right away. I didn't have money for an editor or a graphic designer or to get it published or any of that. So I just looked at it and I said, I don't have an audience. I, I don't really know how this is going to do. I don't want to get myself into a position where I owe some company money for a book that doesn't sell. Uh, so I just went the Amazon route right away. I did all the editing myself. I made the stupid cover that looks like donkey. And that was, that was how I did it. Uh, it was a lot of work to do it all, but it was really worth it when I got the first book in my hand and I read it and I went, Holy crap, this is, this is cool. Uh, and then giving them, you know, giving books away to friends and family and whatnot, having people come back and be like, Hey, you've misspelled these words and that words and all that. And I'm just like, get away from me. I don't want to hear about it, you know? Uh, but yeah, so for me, that was really the process. And that's what I've done for the two books that I've written and the pamphlet is self-published, edited all myself, made the covers and whatnot. So I, if anybody out there is listening that wants to publish the books, I'm, I'm available. And I, uh, so, I'll, so I will, I will give away what was freely given to me. So the way that I figured out how to do this was actually because of Tom Wood's podcast. And he would talk about, uh, he's got a, a whole web page, tomwoods.com slash publicity, I think it is. And what he'll do is basically help you learn how to go through the process. And it's completely free. You don't have to give him a dime. And so whether you like the guy, you hate the guy, whatever your feelings on him are, if you want to self-publish a book, this is a free class that'll teach you how to do it in about 20 minutes. That's how I did it. That's awesome. Thanks. How about you, Mr. Casey? Yeah, I just, um, you know, I went on down to the uh, Amazon headquarters here in Seattle and knocked on Mr. Bezos' door, um, got in there, got down on my knees, and uh, the rest is, no, I, <laughs> I did choose uh, to self-publish through Amazon um, after flirting for a while with the traditional publishing route. But as I'm sure many of you also saw, the traditional publishing route has a lot of strings attached. Um, you don't usually keep all the rights to the thing. There's there's conditions. There, it's, it can be complicated. And it's kind of in a world where they right, they like to push or highlight certain you know, topics or genders or things. So yeah, to have complete freedom to own 100% of the rights, um, I went with self-publishing with Amazon. And so far, so good. Um, I like that at any time I can publish anywhere else or take them off. They have no saying that they're just uh they're just uh they just do my bitch work and they get the books out to people so that's uh that's how i like to think of it <laughs> nice. i'm not i'm never i've never been a fan of amazon but uh when i talk to you guys about this it seems like they do at least this one thing quite well um i, I hate do. the rest of their business model but. and it's it's really not that expensive too so if you're an author and you're self-publishing books 
you can buy copies of your own book for rather rather inexpensive from what you would normally think it would cost you, uh, which is a great help because yeah. when you go to conventions, you go to uh, if you're running for office or something like that, you can carry them with you and sell them at events. And yeah, they- something something Jack said that was really important is being able to have 100% control over your stuff because we talk about some out there things from what the mainstream allows. Uh, so like in my first book, no. I, I called Paul Krugman someone who would uh, endorse and fund slavery. Uh, I told the world about how you know George Herbert Walker Bush was – uh, caught funding the Nazis with his UBC bank. Like I, nice. I <laughs> some things, you know, that your traditional publisher won't allow you to talk about, but Amazon doesn't care. So far, so far so good, right? <laughs> yeah. And if they do start to care, we can just, we have the right to leave and take our books with, I mean, there's no, there's no fine print there. So it's, it's nice. Yeah. You can update your book too. So, like, if you publish your book and then someone comes back to you and they're like, hey, I noticed this, that you repeated a paragraph in the spot, you have the option to go back and edit it. So you're not just stuck with a thousand copies of a book. Yeah. I'd even be open to anyone listening. Uh, and I've talked about this with a few people just floating ideas around. But if we get, like, you know, libertarian sort of self-publishing stuff set up or, you know, I, I'd be happy to publish through other things too and do something cool like that. But yeah, for now, Amazon's where the biggest market is. That's, it, it makes a lot of sense for a lot of us. Um, so for now. Yeah. One of the main reasons I wanted Killian on this episode. Because, <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, I think Champion Books is kind of exactly what you just said of like a libertarian themed self-publishing. Oh, okay. Kinda, hey, cool. Yeah. Kind of start to get there. So. Yeah, it's, uh, that's basically what we do is um, we'll have authors come to us with uh, where they're not sure of the process. They don't know where to go. They need help with the editing. They need help with the getting the cover started, the basic marketing to get it rolling, everything like that. So when we get the book applications in, like we help them with that process. Sometimes we'll help with content if they need some direction there, stuff like that. Really just working with them to kind of get the finished product uh, polished up, ready to go, get it out there, and then just use the, you know, just the size of reach that we have through being libertarian and all that and some of the other like subgroups that we're cross-connected with, all that sort of stuff, just kind of using that reach to get the message of those authors out, just to be able to put that content out there. So there's a tons of uh, libertarian or libertarian-leaning people who get the chance to see, oh, wait, there's actually like a book about this that wasn't written 60 years ago. Holy shit. Nice. <laughs> yes, Liberty Networking. Yes, I love it. Yeah, so far my strategy has just been memes, um, post controversial things on social media to get attention. Uh, and then, you know, if you're on podcasts like this, so I mean, this is all, all the above, bring it on. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I mean, the, the more flatter things you post, the more people are going to want to <laughs> argue with you. Okay. I, we have a comment and I, I have to address this because Matt writes on right now. Like, so <laughs> I did invite him. Um, who told him how did he find out <laughs> i i did invite matt i i i asked him if he had time afterwards if he wanted after his show was over if we were still going if he wanted to hop on that would be awesome i don't know if he is going to because i know he's kind of busy and uh not feeling all that great but uh i did invite matt so whoever 
whoever wrote that comment, shush. Um, but Killian, uh, speaking of champion books, uh, how was the process for getting, um, some of those, cause you guys have published a couple of books now. Um, I'm curious, like how, how did you find some of those other writers? Did they all just kind of apply the same way that you just described or did you go out and find people? Uh, so for the first book that champion books put out, uh, this was before I was like, before I took over as the editor in chief for it, um, first book they put out was a bunch of writers that were writing articles for the website already or had written text post content for the Facebook page, different things like that. So they're people that had already put content out there and were writing in-house. So they came up with the idea of, hey, why don't we go through some key topics, do some proper detailed essays that, you know, for the article format on websites don't really mesh with that well, do like proper long form put it together and get that out there. So uh, they worked on that project collectively for quite a bit of time. Um, forget the exact time frame, but I know it was, I, I know they all grumbled about how much time it took to cross work with each other on that one, but uh, that was uh, Igniting Liberty that they had out. Um, second book champion books did was mine. Uh, that one went a little bit faster because some of the content was pre-written from other projects there. Um, just kind of recrafted, expanded on all that sort of stuff. Um, again, super easy process, pretty quick turnaround too. Like after we agreed on a final product, I think um, we had it ready to roll out inside a little less than a month. And that was including like marketing planning and all that sort of stuff. So wow. that was pretty good. Um, third book, uh, similar thing, single author. They actually approached us with the idea Um talking about you know sex work the liberty movement laws in the united states the impact that that has on society how it's viewed some of the issues there uh so kind of a mix of the topic but also biographical that was mixed in there um so for that third book uh, similar process very uh very heavy on the author's side working through a lot of it um and then just kind of working with us to, to fine-tune a few last things get it out get it published get it ready to roll uh, we've got two slated for this year that we've got uh, in the editing process right now. I'm hoping to get that up to four before the year is out and really start to expand our library a fair bit. But um, it's a pretty straightforward process, thankfully. And then because it's libertarians talking to libertarians, we can get rid of a lot of the red tape of the conversation. Like our whole like agreement for it is like three pages and that's it. And most of that's nice. just covering off, hey, this is how you get paid. <laughs> this is what we yeah. keep. This is what you get. <laughs> this is how this works. Okay, sign here. Great. Bye. <laughs> nice. Let's go, let's go nice. sell Liberty. So, Killian, <laughs> I, I got a question for you. So if I wanted to have my book get published by Champion, who do I reach out to? Where do I go? <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm the best person to reach out to, of course, if you actually know me. If not... Uh, if you go to um, beinglibertarian.com slash champion dash books, uh, there actually is a option to contribute directly through there with just a basic pitch, not the full manuscript necessarily, but at least like a rough synopsis of what you're trying to do. Um, 
outside of that, you can also contact the page directly and then one of the people will get back to you and get you the appropriate link if you need there through Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, there's on Substack, Minds, whole list of it that they're involved with on social media. Honestly, best thing though for anyone out there that's happens to be at this particular point in the show looking at it, being libertarian editor at gmail.com. Send it to me directly. That's my inbox. I go through the emails every day just to see for any articles that are coming through for the website, any book pitches that are coming through for champion books. And I love getting to reach out and connect to people in the Liberty Movement that have something that they want to say and something they want to get out there that they've taken the time to actually like think to and through and work on, not just like schizo ramblings on a page, of course, but <laughs> <laughs> those ones get a little tiring. But I mean, I feel a little uh, called out, but I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's probably what anything I tried to write would end up looking like. Uh, it's funny. I was just talking to you, Harrison, about this a couple of days ago, but like I have not done any sort of meaningful writing since high school. Like I haven't like I do I do marketing and I do social media stuff. And so I'll do, you know, like five, six paragraphs at the most uh, is is like the most that I've written in almost a decade at this point. Um, so a bunch of people are trying to convince me to like start writing op eds and stuff like that. And I'm like, I don't. I don't know. Like this isn't this isn't a thing that I really do, but also kind of want to. My advice with writing, if you're someone who doesn't like writing, but you feel like you need to write, is talk it out before you put it on paper. You know, if especially someone who's a podcast host, you're used to talking through your ideas and explaining them that way. So record yourself and then use some kind of voice transcriber that can turn it into words for you. And this is gonna do 80% of the process for you. Then you go back through, you edit what you don't like, you can expand on, you can contract ideas. That was how I first started writing blogs was because I was much more into talking. I was used to giving classes. I was used to you know, giving lectures and things like that. I wasn't used to writing out something and, and really going in depth that way. So I just sat down and I had got, I think it was Soundtrap. Um, they had a nice transcribing feature that I would use. And it would take my 20-minute rant and turn it into words that I could then edit and go from there with. So that's how I would suggest doing it if you're someone who doesn't like writing but wants to. It's a great idea. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like uh, I, started, I started my podcast as a cop-out for writing like it's like why, why write when i could just say it this is so much easier i can't find a pen i just yeah right. this is so much longer of a process to write when i could just say things and even when i first started and i was doing uh some solo episodes uh the script writing process was started to become tiring too and i would i would just like i started off with like full scripts for my episodes and by the time i stopped doing uh solo episodes it was just like four or five bullet points that to base a rant off of it because i was just like i don't i don't feel like putting in all this work to write and edit and uh so maybe i'm just lazy that's probably well, i think it has the more comfortable with the material you are you know, I'm sure every one of the guys here that's written a book knows 
there are very few things you really have to go back and research again once you've done your initial round of research. From there, you can just sit down and do the damn thing and just write it. And it's the same way with podcasting. Yeah. I, I'm definitely lazy in that I, I don't really want to have to go run out there and like stab bad guys with the sword. So I'll write about characters that do stab people with swords. Um, and I'll say, don't, you know, get in trouble. That and stabbing people with swords that, that should remain a hobby. You shouldn't turn it into. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't want to kill your passion. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> uh, we have another question in the comments uh, from Mr. Jonathan Howe, who's an awesome congressional candidate down in uh, Queens. He's asking what would champion do if faced with a situation like Erwin Schiff, who died in prison for selling books about tax evasion. Damn. Ooh. Um, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm not too familiar with the uh, with that particular situation. Um, I mean, if we had one of our authors die at that die because they wanted a book put out there that um, included some content or another that they were you know having issues with, um, we would probably continue to sell it and make sure that the proceeds go directly to that person's family. We'd probably just shut off any of the actual revenue we were taking for ourselves and just push it straight through so that the family received the money or if they didn't want it, then an appropriate charity of some sort at that point. Right. Or if we got a request from family to pull it, we could do that. But chances are if they died to get the message out there, then we would do whatever we could to keep that message going at that point. I wonder if there's a loophole for that. Like, you know, I know others who've gotten in hot water have been able to say, look, I'm just here to entertain. You know, it's all it's all jokes. Um, Maybe if I, you know, maybe I can use my fantasy novel shield. We can say it's all fantasy novels. It's all fantasy. It's all pretend. (laughs) Uh, Maybe. I don't know. That's that's very awful, though. I didn't I know. But I don't know about that situation either. So I'm curious to look that up later because that's uh, that's pretty that's pretty awful. Yeah. Anyone wants to learn about Roman Schiff? He's one of the main characters in my book. Oh wow! Okay, like, so you cover yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, very, very in depth. Nice. Yeah, that no, that's it's really scary. I mean, obviously, as we know, the the stuff we believe in and talk about, it's we joke, but it's so deadly serious, and we're basically openly, you know, with our names and faces every day, talking about how much we hate the powers that be and everyone in charge and. Um, that's why I have a lot of respect for all of you and anyone who's willing to go out there publicly, you know, defy stuff, put it in writing with your name on it and, and, and make it very, you know, I, these are the voices we need people who are willing to, to stick our necks out a bit. And um, that hopefully future generations will look back and thank us for, um, and hopefully we all make it to those future generations. Um, it's true that scary. Cause yeah, there's things are getting weird. I've... They're getting weirder. I'm hired. I have to hire security now. I'm running for office. Wow, really? Because I'm, I'm terrified. Like, damn, man. Yeah, this, I might uh, even get that sword. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to be a hobby for much longer, Jack. Yeah, it's. I'll keep them sharp. <laughs> you guys ever think about using a, a pen name for your writing? It's far too late for me, but. That would have been smart ten years ago if I th- if yeah I mean I considered it but I I was afraid I would just Iron Man the thing at the end and I'd be like I am Iron Man because I just wouldn't be able to resist and uh, 
and anyone who knows me would instantly recognize my work and be like, yeah, that's fucking Jack Casey. So I, yeah, I gave up on that for, for that. But I respect anyone else who can pull it off and is willing to do it. Yes. I, I used to go by Miko Filippo, but I had the same issue. I just Iron Maned it within like three months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't imagine you uh, trying to keep a lid on that, Jack. That doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't I, like I, I love the attention. I can't help it. I, I, I... <laughs> uh, what about you, Derek? Have you ever thought about using a pen name? I thought about it for a little bit, but uh, by the time I came around to it i had already been interrogated by the fbi so they already knew so uh shit (laughs) (laughs) in fairness though they (laughs) they did not interrogate me about my book because it wasn't released yet uh but you know i'm definitely on the list even though the freedom of information act request that i submitted uh months after the fact said we don't have anything with your name on it okay that's a lie but yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i'm sure every registered libertarian is is on some list um definitely yeah how, how dare you challenge the i'm, the, I'm sure <laughs> the wonderful entity that is known as the state yeah you know they i don't know if y'all know this but when somebody gets elected they transcend into to a morally superior and incorruptible human being that's why they get to tell us all what to do mm. Yes. I'm looking we forward to that coronation ceremony. That's get elected. It's not so I can make change or anything. It's just so I'm infallible and I'm like the science and you have to trust. <laughs> yeah. It's like no a one step. I write, you know, what I talk about, I am right. <laughs> I like though too that you know because there is that calculation at some point when you get into stuff and you start really reading about how fucked up the people in power really are. And you're like, man, am I going down this path? Am I going to be loud and obnoxious about the stuff and put a target on my head? And, and it is a temptation to be like, what if I just live this normal life? You know, take the blue pogo back matrix, just dodge the bolt. But then you see what happens to every innocent person who who isn't declaring themselves a threat at all, who gets fucked over by this government. And so really, none of us are safe anyway. And and I, I've, I've come to feel like the more we speak up, yeah, we're the ones who got the biggest target on our heads first, but the more of us we recruit and the more of us are saying the same shit, that's kind of our own protection. The more of us there are, it's like a shield wall. It's like we're, we're, we're in a phalanx now, you know, like we, we can, we can actually scare them back a bit and go, yeah, the people are waking up to this shit. You, you can't just be picking us off and, and scaring us anymore because we're not alone. It's still scary though. I mean, Erwin Schiff was somebody that died in prison talking about these types of ideas. And, yeah. you know, it, 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 it's, it's sad that we have to, to, to go to these types of, it's not even extremes, but we have to promote these ideas that are considered extreme. And all we really want mm. is just to be left the fuck alone. You know, I mean, I know. It's, it's like Ooh, scary. <laughs> let, yeah right let me keep what i earn stop extorting money from me stop extorting property from me at the you know point of sale or what have you just leave me alone uh but no it, it, if you want to be left alone we'll just murder you instead how about that yeah 
yeah, and I have to say, like, like you said, Jack, you know, the the government's fucking over pretty much everybody. So if I'm gonna yeah. have a target on my back, I'd rather it be for spreading liberty than like smoking weed <laughs> or, or any of the other very like jaywalking or you know any of the other various things that I do illegally yeah. every day. <laughs> like, like I break so both many laws. Time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> usually, yeah. <laughs> uh, but Where the hell is that? David, did you are, are you going to remember to claim your uh, your income from illicit drug sales this year <laughs> on your taxes? I will never understand that. <laughs> the fact that they that they also have in there like that you're supposed to claim the income from theft. Yeah, like, yeah you rob someone, you're supposed to tell the IRS. That's how the yeah. government files its taxes. If if you you, you first if, IRS, show us how it's done. Yeah. yeah if, if you it, if you kidnap a child for six months of the year, you can claim them as a dependent. You know. Like um, <laughs> if your if if your child oh gets God. kidnapped for six months of the year, you can't claim them as a dependent anymore. Now you're committing tax fraud. If you kneecap some guy, then you know it's got the same thing because you're going to build the ramp for yeah. him, and then that's just right <laughs> off right there. For all yeah, right. <laughs> well, it, it's funny you bring that up though because it, it's the reason that's included in the tax code, and it's not just a uniquely U.S. thing. A lot of countries do that where they basically expect criminals to file their taxes uh, for being criminals, is because they want to be able to go after people after they catch them. And then strip them of money for back taxes for what they earn <laughs> while they were committing crimes. It's literally it feels like entrapment, scheme. right? Because yeah. yeah, once 100%. you put in writing, well, yeah, I committed this crime. They're like, gotcha. <laughs> don't. And it seems pretty obvious. Crime, you're like, well, you've got back taxes now, so good luck working that off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but and these I do so good. back tax credits for kidnapping. I mean, <laughs> it depends on how good your attorney is and how good your accountant is hopefully really everything's good. a write-off if you do it right well we should call this about you know uh, books are so dangerous to the establishment that they're expensive as hell to buy like you can't get an erwin shift book that's still in print wow, and it's because really? he's oh, going yeah, he's going through and showing you like, hey, this is how you don't pay taxes and all this and that. And he's doing it in a way where he's going through the tax code. He's not just sitting there with a tinfoil hat on and saying, screw them. And this is what you do. You know, he's like, nope, according yeah. to this law and that. Law. And he's doing it at a real intellectual and legal level. And of course, he's got the philosophical underpinnings to it, too. But that's not the real argument, because that argument doesn't mean anything to the courts. The courts don't care that we don't consent. They've long stated that they don't care. Uh, so with that, having that intellectual firepower, but they make it so expensive that you can't even learn. And then if you do learn how to do it, they're just going to kill you anyway. Yeah, it's fucked Is up. there a better definition of a slave master out there that exists? Because that's Dude, I mean, we what you're describing is slavery. Yeah, it, we live yeah. in a, a parasite paradise. That's where I came up with the name. Hmm. like it, it's the idea is that. yeah that's that's how i got the name um is because that's what we live in we live in a system where the government has created just complete control over everything 
And the second you start doing something they don't like, they can just change a law and now they can come after you. They can make up a law and come after you. They can steal your money for anything, no matter what you do. Uh, and with all of that, what better way to describe it than a parasite's paradise? But yeah. what about my constitution? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I go through that too. Don't worry. I the, tear the that sacred damn. texts say that they can't do this. <laughs> the whole yeah. writ from the sky cloth says uh, you can't. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it is at least encouraging that I there's there's something in the air lately, and I don't know if you guys feel it too, but I feel like it's not complete. But do you sense that like the tide is starting to turn in our favor? Like the the whole COVID thing blowing up lately, the fact that like mainstream media is just openly ridiculed. YouTube has to hide the dislike button. Like even if we're not seeing the electoral results yet to get what maybe some of us want, just that culturally, there's a lot of people just starting to figure some shit out and at least maybe they don't have right they haven't read your books yet to understand the full like picture of of of, of why they're right about this but their instincts are telling them there's something wrong here and it needs to change and they know that and they're looking for those those voices to fill that void and to help explain and go yeah here's how we can do this here's how we can you know um take our power back and and really i mean really it does reveal all the time like this this intimidation game they play by trying to target individuals like they really don't have as much power as they pretend to it's all fear and intimidation based but once enough people just say no like it's kind of over they you know they mm -hmm. it's only while there's very few of us and these kind of lone wolves that they can kind of pick off one by one but when the whole country's saying yeah fuck you wh what are they really going to do you know they they have to then at least pretend like they were on your side now and be like oh yeah no we here's the new science, here's the new plant or whatever, and they back off. But, I mean, we'll see, I guess. We'll see if this thing turns around sooner rather than later. Some of yeah. it. Yeah, I, I definitely, uh, I can can un like see what you're saying about like the tide turning. And uh, it's it's funny you mentioned the YouTube dislike button because that I, I honestly feel like that was one of like the main like white pills for me was like, you guys are really <laughs> that scared. Yeah. Uh, but there's this one uh, YouTube channel that I watch. It's like a it's a guilty pleasure. It's like the only channel like this that I actually give any of my time. But it's just it's this Asian couple from like, Seattle that like does um, like Reddit like videos like where they're going through Reddit and like reacting yeah. to funny things in, in Reddit themes. And like they're you're you're they're really typical normie people, extremely blue pilled. When COVID first started, they were, you know, they were one of the like uh you know shitting on the anti-vaxxers and the anti-maskers and like shitting shitting on me like as i'm watching their show um but like over i've been watching them for probably almost two years now and just slowly but surely like i pick i'm picking up more and more things in their videos uh that they're like starting to wake up to this stuff and it's been really encouraging because they're just such normies um i mean they're a little bit nerd like they're they're nerdy and kind of into that stuff so that already breaks them out of the normie camp a little bit but uh the youtube dislike button really pissed them off because uh you know they were talking about like you can't you can't tell if a video is good or bad uh if you're like trying to find a, a tutorial or something like that and it's completely right. bogus right uh, you can't downvote the shit out of it and get it make it go away like there's 
the honesty factor in YouTube just kind of completely went away with that. And they were like ranting about it for a minute or two. And I was like, yes, just just keep pissing these people off until eventually <laughs> they wake up because it's going to happen soon. Everyone's getting rickrolled now. We're like, fuck, we can't tell now. You know, <laughs> you have to check the comments at least to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. Right. When when they're so cl like this is where we're always weighing like, are they evil or stupid? Right. The people in power. And it's this it's this strange, beautiful, horrific combination of both. And on the one hand, they're they're evil enough to do what they do. But they're also stupid enough to not realize that when they do stuff like this, you're waking up the normies. There's this like after echo or whatever you want to call it, collateral damage or this this unintended uh, let's say blowback effect and and duh, you idiots like you're waking up the people who had no reason to care about this shit but now they're noticing things like hey yeah why is my youtube dislike button god gee i wonder why or you know whatever the thing may be and i i kind of love it there's there's i love watching them um shoot themselves in the foot and panic um but it's still scary obviously because then you know a wounded animal is also very dangerous and can lash out so we'll see how this goes but that. okay mr hank rudin is saying rick rolling is no longer a thing <laughs> and that's false i have gotten rick rolled like like last week i got rick rolled so that's not true. like it's coming back it's like retro like it went away but now it's like oh this is so old now it's funny because it's old not yeah there you go <laughs> it's like a hit like a hip internet revivalist movement <laughs> yeah we're going back to 2007 internet right now. We're all going to oh. try and bring it I can already hear people going badger, 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 badger in the background. It's <laughs> killing me. Right. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, my God. That is some oh Neolithic shit posting for you right there. <laughs> man, I miss the early 2000s internet. Like, I miss yeah, early man. YouTube. I've, I've been talking about this. I miss Flash Flare. <laughs> Oh yeah! I, oh my I don't God. miss Flash Player. No, I had Stick to update that shit every yeah. fucking day. It's just... <laughs> God, it's like, man. Oh, you want to watch this video? Nope, gotta update Flash Player again. <laughs> God, we probably sound so old now already. Is this what, what? it feels like? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yes. There's people watching who are probably like, "What the fuck are they talking about?" Yeah. What's next a flash player? Yeah, next to the back hurts, the knees go, and it's just downhill <laughs> yeah. from there. <laughs> you can't sleep, and it, just, it, it doesn't work as well. Yeah. You have that one day where you're like, huh, I feel a little bit off. And then five years later, you're like, oh, that's just who I am now. <laughs> <laughs> this is my new normal. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I bought my best friend a mug for Christmas that says it's been one of those days for three years now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. Oh. Actually, so, you know, the, the, talking about back pain and whatnot, that, that reminds me of something like this is a tip for anyone who writes a lot or podcasts a lot. Get the hell out of your chair and move around. You know, like this is an issue I had at first. I would sit for 12 hours straight, only getting up to pee or grab something to drink. And then I would go to bed stiff, wake up sore. I hated writing. And I started scheduling like hour every hour I'd take a five minute break and go walk around, you know, and it just makes you feel so much better. I, you're, I can you're not wrong. All of that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, no joke. Right. Okay. Right before the podcast, like to the minute I, I couldn't find headphones 
And so I sprinted to the Target down the road. <laughs> and I and I was looking for headphones. And of course their shelves were like practically empty, you know, for whatever reasons. And 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 uh I finally find a pair and I buy it and I come sprinting back to my apartment. And like right like a minute before I got on here, I'm like huffing and out of breath and just chugging this giant thing of water. And I was like, damn, I am out of shape. <laughs> like <laughs> I just ran to you know across the block and came back and I'm like wheezing in my my bedroom with my dog watching me, like, oh. That's what it looks like when humans pant. Oh, okay. <laughs> so there's something there. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do all of this from what used to be a dining room table chair um, that I reupholstered to make a little bit more comfy, but that was like a year and a half ago. And so it's back to being not really comfy. Uh, I need an actual like desk chair or like a gamer chair or something that's actually comfortable. Yeah, I recommend spending two to three hundred bucks on a good office chair if you're going to be in it all day. Something with good back support, neck support. You know, it, it's really important. It goes a long way. Uh, back when I had a thirty-five, forty-dollar chair that I had picked up from. Uh, no, I am not a gamer. I never game. I literally work all day. I, I I'm not going to get into that. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I, how dare I, you? I, <laughs> all day. And I write all day and I, all that stuff. So I'm always sitting in my chair. I used to have a cheapo Walmart chair and I, I hated life. I felt like shit all the time. And then I spent a little bit of money on a chair and started doing, you know, five minutes of stretching every now and then throughout the day and immediately feel better. Mm -hmm. yeah. See, I'm a little too ADHD to have too much of that problem. Uh, the, the worst was like, uh, last spring i was working on a, a campaign remotely and i was the deputy campaign manager so like i had to be on pretty much every meeting that the campaign had so that was that was the worst as far as just like sitting here forever because i was still doing the show at the time too so it was like at least like six hours worth of zoom meetings sitting in this chair a day and then you know four or five hours of podcasting a week and then editing the podcast and everything else. And I was, I was in this chair for a solid 10 to 12 hours a day. And it was ridiculous, but normally I'm way too ADHD to have that problem. And I have to get up and do something else because just sitting here, sitting still uh, is horrible and I hate it. And that's why I'm always like drinking and smoking and like doing things with my hands while I'm on the show. Cause ADHD. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, my wife and I right now, we're watching uh, Xena and uh, Dragon Ball. And uh, I'm not going to lie, watching those, it makes me want to work out so I can kick like Xena and I can, uh, uh, you know, fight like Goku. So that's that's my goal. There you go. Uh, so I did want to talk about uh, promoting your guys's books. Uh, Jack, I know that you've got uh, like Muddied Waters and some other people uh, doing very interesting promos for your books. Um, <laughs> they're they're tired. They've been doing it a long time now. <laughs> I, I love. I was watching. They're uh, running Jason, out of things to say. Right. I was watching Jason Lyons' show from yesterday, and he was like, "He's a guy." I won't, <laughs> yeah. I won't say if he's a good guy or a bad guy. Jack Casey's a guy. He's been reading some of my posts. He's like, mm, "Chaotic neutral." I don't know. <laughs> that sounds accurate. 
but what about the rest of you guys? Have you uh, gotten any like kind of sponsorships? You run social media ads? Any like how do you guys promote your books? Well, I uh, right now I haven't. Uh, I've just I've I've sent um, I've sent a few copies to people. Uh, I also have the audiobook, so I'm sending promo codes to people. I um, uh, sent Matt Wright a copy. Um, I actually sent him two copies so he could give one to Spike. I don't know if anything's come of that. Um, and a few others. Uh, I sent one to Adam Kokesh. Um, but, you know, it, all of this was happening like a little bit before Thanksgiving. So I haven't really pushed the issue. Um, but, you know, I, I plan to this year. Uh, and then I might do some social media marketing on it but uh, as of right now it's just all been word of mouth and just occasionally injecting shameless plugs into whatever social media <laughs> post I'm, in, I'm interacting on at the time D don't I, feel bad by the way if spike hasn't read it yet because he he may have read my stuff they've been promoting that for like almost a year now so <laughs> yeah i'm sure they'll actually I, I, get to yours long before mine if they ever do so <laughs> well I, you know i was hoping that the audiobook would make things a little bit easier but uh, yeah <laughs> like you don't even have to read it just push play you're fine <laughs> <laughs> i mean if it's for spike you should have labeled it like waffle house now that i got your attention <laughs> yeah, salmon recipes uh 101 yeah um mm -hmm. I love that Spike said that he'll never read your book, Jack. Because, <laughs> because, because if it's good, he'll feel bad about saying all the terrible shit he said about it. He's them. terrified to read it. He doesn't know what to do. Yeah. No, I mean, I fantasize that like he he and Matt one day will break and they will secretly read it. Um, you know, he'll lock himself in the bathroom for hours, you know, um, and finish the thing because then they'll be obsessed with it. Um, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. I don't I think did. I'll ever write anything that makes a libertarian lock themselves in a bathroom for several hours. I'm, I'm not sure if that's the type of content I ever want to put out, but hey. Yeah, I'm we don't know what they're doing in the bathroom for hours. We don't know. It's, it's ambiguous. I don't want to know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe if you write a sequel to Chase's book in Sexual Liberty 2, maybe. <laughs> Sounds like Spike Valley. Like, I want them to like, yeah, they read it, they get obsessed, and then they're mad that they like it. Like they, you know, they don't want to admit it. But uh, no, you know who has uh, uh, Dan Smots? I advertise on his podcast too. He read uh, WBW and he he loved it. That was great. He he, pro you know, he got on board with it, made a cool trailer, um, and then uh, I'm sure he was terrified, hoping it would actually be good. And he read it and he was like, "This was fun. This was hilarious." So that was nice. cool. I'm trying I'm trying to get my libertarian endorsements of the of different books one by one. So working on it. Take it. Uh, what about you, Killian? How, what if what? Because I know you said that you like had a whole marketing plan set up before you launched your book. So what was entailed in that? I mean, the baseline of it is uh, word of mouth, social media posts. Um, we used the website to use the actual ad space to basically pay ourselves to advertise ourselves using the banner space on our own website, stuff like that. Um, the thing is, like, I'm. That sounds like I, money I, laundering. I, yeah, <laughs> you know that's. Hey, I, I'm in a different country. I get away with it. it. It's we just have to say sorry up here. That's it. It's great legal system. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, <laughs> um, uh, like I we're like I'm very meticulous with that stuff. So we had it like scheduled down to like, all right, this will go out at this hour. This will go out at this time on this day, and this will repeat over here. Like 
far more effort than is actually required to do it properly. But um, I, I just get really anal with scheduling stuff like that. So like put me in front of a spreadsheet and I'm gone for four hours like that. That's <laughs> so uh, but basically, yeah, just social media, the website general reach in from people that were either associated with BL, um, the website itself, web page itself, all that stuff, word of mouth. And then like you mentioned, just kind of different podcast runs like here on brought on things and got the chance to plug it and tell people to go buy the book, which by the way, buy the book. <laughs> Once again, for people that are, that are new into the show, uh, all of these wonderful guys' books are uh, linked in the description to this video if you're on YouTube uh, or Odyssey. Uh, unfortunately, the rest of the platforms don't actually have a description. So uh, go to Odyssey, which is where you should be watching this if you're not, uh, and then click the links in the description. Go buy all of their books, and then lock yourself in the bathroom. And... <laughs> <laughs> Think fondly of me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what about you, Harrison? Have you uh, done any promotion for your books? So I did some Facebook ads and whatnot, but they didn't really pan out to anything. Uh, what I found to be the most successful is going on people's shows, you know, like your show. I went on Shane Hazel's show and he was like, yeah, this is an instant classic, a must read. So I sold more books during that interview and from that interview than pretty much anything else I've done. So that's that's kind of what my strategy has been is just tell people about the book. Um, you know, I wrote the sales book, but I also do a political consulting company. So they kind of work hand in hand where I use the consulting company to sell the book. And I use the book to kind of get people to realize, like, yes, this guy does know what he's doing and he's not just going to rip me off. I, he actually has things to tell me. So uh, that's that's how I do it. I could definitely use better marketing, though, and listening to these other three gentlemen talk about it. I'm sitting here taking mental note as to what I need to be doing. <laughs> nice. nice. Did you just say that Shane Hazel's show is better than mine? I, I, I think I, no, I think I, I heard that. <laughs> I, I, said, I said bigger, not better. I love you both. <laughs> uh, if yeah, it helps, no, it's too. not the size. It's how you use it, right? <laughs> That's <laughs> <laughs> um, if it helps too, I found lately that you know, if you do land yourself in controversy or or say things that get you in trouble, um, sometimes the haters will, will will try to hate read your stuff. Uh, for example, my strategy is if anyone gets too mad at me, they may uh, don't tell them this, but they may try to read the free version uh, of Kindle, thinking, well, I don't want to buy and support a, so I'll just read the free and kind of sneak see how bad this guy really is they don't know that I still get paid the same as for every page they read. So um, that's one way you can do that too. Interesting. I yeah. didn't know that either. That's actually mm -hmm. kind of cool. Yeah, it's very cool. The Kindle, it, I think you have to set it up for that. Uh, only while, while it's doing that, you have to be exclusive with the Kindle thing. Mm. But if you ever want to take it elsewhere, you can, but if you're doing temporarily exclusive with Kindle, then, then they, uh, they do that. anyway. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I, so my background is in, is in sales and marketing. So, uh, hearing people talk about marketing is always really fun. Um, I know Harrison, you're in the same boat with that one. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, I, I love that you were taking mental notes too. Cause that's kind of like, that was the point of the show was to try to 
you know, grab information from all of you so writers can figure out what they're doing wrong and how to do things better. Uh, so this has been great so far. Um, <coughs> sorry. That hurt. Um, so what, uh, do, what books are floating around your guys' heads that you might, uh, might write in the future? Mm. I've been thinking about this for a couple of, well, I, I actually, so I need to preface this by saying that my wife has forbade me from writing another book for the next two years. Um, so uh, it's, it's going to be a minute. Uh, I, I took a lot of time away from her to write the first one. Uh, but I got a couple of ideas. Um, uh, one, I, I already have a title for, I just have, I don't have an outline or anything yet, but the title is United Slaves of America. I think that's pretty sweet. Uh, so if anybody nice. publishes a book with that title, they stole it from me. Um, Kill them. I'll get the story. <laughs> just, yeah. Uh, that's aggression. I, you have, a, that's right, right, right. what you do. Yeah, go on. Well, I mean, I mean, if we're being honest, IP doesn't <laughs> exist, so it's not really stealing anything. But um, no, uh, so th that one would probably be another philosophical work like the Liberty Solution is. Uh, but I also have this idea to write a, uh, a fictitious novel, um, probably set in like a uh, post-economic collapse setting uh, with the creation of Ancapistan and some internal conflicts that happen. Or maybe some group of libertarians buy a bunch of land and try to set up Ancapistan in modern day America and it's their... Uh, fight against the U.S. government trying to extort money from them uh, that becomes the yes. plot. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm leaning a little bit more it. towards that one. <laughs> uh, and, and that's how I end up dying in prison. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I would love to <clears throat> whisper encouragement in your ear that you do this idea. Yes. I, 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 yeah. I, Even if I, it's I, secretly I without letting the you know who know <laughs> is that is that our new code word for the the, the, the state is now Baltimore? we're just calling it you know who <laughs> oh no i meant the, the wife uh <laughs> oh the wife <laughs> however applicable in many scenarios uh whoever's trying you know you know i'm just I'm nice. Clearly, I didn't know no, who you were talking about, so I guess it doesn't work. <laughs> you don't know who. You don't know who. I, uh, yeah. No, I highly encourage, if any of you have, you know me, creative fiction uh, impulses, go for it. It's so rewarding. It's so fun. Whether or not you decide to go all the way or publish it, it's such a cool just mind process. Go for it. Mm -hmm. uh. I mean, for myself, I've got uh, I've got a fiction thing I've been working on, completely unrelated. I've just got it sitting off to the side until I've got time to get a good look at it again. Um, for something a little more in the liberty sphere of writing, um, I've been working a little bit in the in between other projects. I've been working a little bit right now on fleshing out um, a similar idea, collection article stuff like that on self mastery. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff Ooh. that you know we talk about having like a libertarian type world and that sounds great, but how do people actually function when they have to make those choices and decisions themselves? How do you actually prep yourself to be able to handle a truly libertarian environment like that, where you don't have 
a nanny state literally wiping your ass every time you go to the bathroom. You know, how, how do you get yourself ready for that? And not like this, like far out, like survivalist type things, but just, you know, if you don't have, you know, the police, like police taking care of um, dealing with this, that, or the next thing, minus the, you know, killing of people, but the things they're supposed to be doing, um, <laughs> you know, they're not taking care of that, or even just general self-management in and of itself, uh, I find is a topic that a lot of people are really poor on. Um, even I find that in the libertarian movement where it's about people being able to have that freedom and make those choices and be able to control their own lives. But a lot of people are really shitty pilots if they want to control their <laughs> own lives. So I think something around <laughs> that might be very helpful. So the, those are just two things I've had working in the background so far. I love that. I would read the shit out of that book. Um, yeah. Cause I feel like I could use it for sure. <laughs> um, I, I, I agree. There's so many people in the Liberty movement and myself, a hundred percent included as an entirely self-deprecating comment, but like we want to, uh, you know, bring freedom into the world and like let people live their own lives to live them how they want to live them. And like we live shitty lives, like we don't <laughs> eat right, we don't sleep right. We're like most of us are like burnouts or alcoholics or something else. Like there's a lot of some people, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna ask, is that Jameson or wine? Because it looks like whiskey. It is Jameson, yes. Nice. Good choice. Good choice. <laughs> I need to throw no, this I off agree. out there. Oh, oh I'm yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, mine's uh, not important. Don't worry about it. No, no, no. You go ahead. <laughs> I was just gonna add. I'd say that 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 the um uh no, I agree that that sense that like we want people to be free, but it doesn't stop us from advocating for what we think people could or should do with their freedom. What better life sounds? You know, like it should free us to make commentary on what we think would be a better way of life and stuff. That it's okay to add our own personal um advocacy of choices doesn't make us unlibertarian to separately be like you should be free here's what i think you should do with your life or here's what works for me you know and or, or what doesn't work for me and, and try to you know yeah i agree uh, what were you saying <laughs> uh, my, my comment was on wine because i'm kind of a, a, a wine snob uh but oh, yeah. I, I i found out in doing research of uh french bordeaux um that there is a grand crew uh, which basically like top tier wine uh, called Chateau Lafitte Rothschild. And the name is not coincidental. It's literally owned yeah. by the Rothschild. Uh, oh like... my God. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I can never so buy that wine. <laughs> yeah, no. I have, I'm biting my tongue so hard. Maybe for target practice, like we could take some to the range and these are very expensive bottles. You know, <laughs> when you're Worth done, it. maybe. Uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, dr yeah. <laughs> Drink it and then shoot it. Yeah, but then you still end up giving money to the Rothschild family. I, I, I can't, I can't do that from a moral steal standpoint. It. No. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Is it stealing George, if, if George, the original pants? Wait, say that again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was gonna say two words, cargo pants. <laughs> very, very simple way to get whichever wine bottle. I just you want. I'm thinking of the line from Pirates of the Caribbean where he's like, sometimes 
an act of piracy could be the right thing or whatever. <laughs> um, there's nothing after um. I have to give you an opening. Gotcha. <laughs> I do that way too often. I actually had one of the same ideas that Derek was talking about where you'd write about what would it look like if a group of people went and bought, you know, a thousand acres in the middle of nowhere and tried to just start Ancapistan here, what would happen? Uh, it, it, it's an awesome idea. There's so many different directions to go with it. And I think it really would give a kind of neat idea as to, you know, what would we expect it to look like? How would that transition happen? Would they send the national guard in? Would they try to stop food from getting in? What would they do? You know, block cell phone, you know, all kinds of stuff. Um, I've also got a book that I've really started trying to think more about where it's a real play on COVID and it's kind of a stupid one, but there's like, there's right, uh, mice that have moved into the city and they've got like a 2% chance if they bite you that you're going to die. And so then we just start going through all these really stupid things where now everyone has to wear knee high boots that are made of steel. <laughs> and like going through and saying like, do you see how ridiculous this was? We, they didn't follow any of the science. They didn't follow their own lines and kind of doing like I did with the parasites paradise where it's all like, it, it's all based on real events and real people but it would be kind of a stupid one. It would just be fun. Like that, that's what that would be. That would be a fun one. Um, and I, I, I want to do a follow-up volume two for freedom. And I'm working on turning a parasite's paradise into a script for a movie. So I got a lot of writing wow. to do. Nice. I, it, if I may, David, uh, you know, you can feel free to tell me to shut the fuck up if you, if you want, uh, you know, it's your show and I'm a guest, but if I would like to actually plug a friend of mine's book, uh, since we're talking about this, he actually wrote a really damn good book. Um, Shut the fuck up. Back. No, sorry. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Please continue. No, I actually want you to continue. It, it's, it's, uh, it's entitled American Insurgent, and the premise is that we live in a, in, uh, in a fictitious America where the Second Amendment's been repealed. And uh, full-on gun confiscation has started, and the uh, it starts off with the protagonist being the first one to shoot back. It's actually a really damn good book. Uh, I would just recommend it for every everyone. It's a, it's called American Insurgent by Phil Rabelais. Great book. Nice. And um, I, I don't know if y'all know who Tyler Lindholm is, uh, but he narrated the audiobook. He's a, a state a former state rep out of Wyoming, very liberty-minded Republican. Uh, oh cool good. yeah that's really cool yeah yeah oh awesome awesome look um no i, I was gonna <laughs> say I to shut the fuck your, up uh... too i appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> um, that could be I, that could be a book about first amendment <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah right there you go um i i was gonna say to to harrison what you're saying about open political satire i've been diving in that lately that's what the wbw thing i wrote about where where it's like so the royal green series is a trilogy where i, I wrote it and years ago when i was going through my own kind of you know journey along into other thoughts and stuff so it's very organic and kind of maybe more palatable to the normies who are um uh just looking for fantasy stuff and they, they kind of get some of those themes in there and that is in and of itself like a 
origin story pilot trilogy of what could be a bigger expanded series, um, but also very self-contained as a story if you just want to read that and be done with it. But the WVW thing I have, it's just a short 100-page thing where I was, same idea. After COVID, I was like, I have to talk about this. I have to write about this because it's so hilariously ridiculous that like I just want to write open political satire. So the whole premise of like werewolves, witches, and vampires is like if they took over and were running society and we all just thought that was normal and we were like, oh, yeah, no, you just drink your blood and, you know, you, you do your, yeah, they're mandating you know, your potions to take, or, you know, you got to wear your fucking talisman to ward off the, cur- whatever the thing is. And, and same idea. It's, it's, it's a sort of pilot episode that could be an extended series. So people really like it because I agree. I feel like the times we're in deserve so much ridicule. I want future generations to read about how fucking ridiculous this whole thing was by, by reading, right. Satire comedy and fiction that kind of shows just just how weird it was because i think for future people who look back they'll read about it but they'll need to see just how absurd a lot of this turned out to be and we get to be the ones that tell them how fucking dumb it all was so so yeah that sounds like a great project go for it go for it i want i want more of this more of just us ridiculing the last two years like crazy So what I'm hearing is that you guys are all trying to write uh, South Park episodes. Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's yeah, a collaboration between uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker and all four of us. Yeah. Uh, that would be amazing. <laughs> They're still I'm libertarian, right? They, they came out as libertarians a while back. Are they? If we could actually get in a meeting with them somehow, some way, if, it, if we had a magic genie that could do it, and we got in a meeting with them and we pitched it. I bet we could get them after enough weed. We could probably get them to say yes. You know, I wouldn't. It would be just surprised. be great if. Yeah, that'd be cool. Or even just if like by the time we've got another presidential run going, we've we've just our energy libertarian movement and everything has been so awesome that they just episodes like featuring people running or like like ridiculing all of our opponents or something. I don't know if they would necessarily go for that because they want to make fun of everyone and there's plenty to make fun of in our own circles and our own libertarian stuff but um, yeah who knows I don't know. Hey I mean I'd settle for them making fun of us too like if if they <laughs> yeah. want to throw Joe Jorgensen in an episode and make a dungeon show, <laughs> I'm all for it. Oh my god yes. <laughs> well to full disclosure I do make fun of us libertarians in wbw as well um it's easy to i don't do. hold back any punches I, I punch everyone and myself honestly i ridicule <laughs> myself too a little bit <laughs> i mean for me the easy go-to joke for uh any libertarian is i'm about to get naked on stage i mean ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, the good old days uh he wasn't a real libertarian by the way just so you know Oh, I know him. I know him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> actually, I actually got to meet him this year uh, or this past year, which was fun. Uh, he's he's actually pretty chill. Uh, I spent four years talking shit, five years talking shit about him online. And then I finally met him in person. And I was like, oh, now I kind of feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure he's a great guy. I've never met him, but 
actually the the moment that I realized that he was actually pretty dope. Uh, one of his friends made a motion at the Michigan convention uh, or a, a resolution at the towards the end of the business meeting, and the resolution was just be it resolved, fuck the police. Like oh, that was that. the resolution, and um, uh, the nice. convention was doing voice votes by then, uh, so it sounded like it was. It, like it died but it was it was close uh so they actually called for uh james called for a division of the assembly so that everyone who wanted to vote against this resolution had to actually stand up in the middle of the room of libertarians and say no i don't agree with this which sadly was a majority of the room <laughs> but it made a majority of the room stand up and be like nope we are bootlickers and we don't want to say fuck the police officially as an organization. And then uh, nice. we, we love the taste of kiwi shoe polish. <laughs> yeah. And that then, is uh, hilarious. The best part was Spike Cohen uh, got up and tried to make a friendly amendment to the motion uh, that it said, darn the police instead. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> See, this sounds like a South Park Yeah, that's pretty episode. funny. Already. <laughs> right. See, and I'm a huge fan of, keep, like, keep the Libertarian Party weird, bold, offensive, and just, like, look, th this is a long shot. We are, we may as well throw everything we can and just be as interesting and funny and weird as possible and just get people's attention, but also be deadly serious and be like, this shit matters. And, 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 I don't know, pull, pull people in with our, our tolerance for even the strangest of us, you know, in that regard. So I, ha I have yeah, an idea for what the LP should do for uh, 2024. Uh, they should not nominate anybody to actually run for president or, and they should just say, Hey, everyone go to the ballot and vote for yourself. <laughs> Imagine for a second, if, if that actually got some steam, <laughs> you have like, I don't know. <laughs> 700,000 people that voted for themselves or, or put like Noda on the presidential ballot, like <laughs> see if we can get none of the above as a winner. And then if it, <laughs> if it succeeds, we're like, I guess there's no president. The American people spoken. <laughs> it's over. Are you suggesting that we run Nick Sarwark for president? <laughs> <laughs> that actually might work. Uh, Oh my god. I mean, Nick always did have that kind of glow to him, you know? Mm. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the toxicity floating around him. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <sighs> I know you're watching. Fuck you, dude. Fuck you. <laughs> I don't think Nick Starwark has ever watched my show, even when I had his wife on. <laughs> he pops up in strange places, I don't expect. Yeah. That is true. He's I've never even met him. Comment section all too often on social media. Yeah, I've seen enough. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. just a bad take factory. <laughs> it, <laughs> anyway, oh. so speaking of monsters, I have this book about monsters taking over, and um, I. <laughs> Is it a historical documentary over the creation of the first state? <laughs> Let's just say there's some. Something in there to trigger everyone. Um, everyone. I like it. It seems like it seems exactly uh, like a book a libertarian would write. 
We just we got to trigger yeah. all the people. I was even Otherwise. offended by stuff in there. I was like, damn. <laughs> Did you hurt your own feelings? Publishing this? <laughs> oh man. Turns I, out I, it's just like 200 pages just trying to convince people that jorts are popular again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who gave you the the draft of the sequel? Who told you? Um, <laughs> publisher in in Strider Trading, it's a thing. Don't worry about it. I'm still waiting for a flat earth book from you. <laughs> Listen, we're going to have a talk next week. It's going to be a is it fair to call it a debate or is it more like a a a friendly conversation about some somewhere in between uh, who knows how much we've been lied to <laughs> 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 what you know we'll wait till next week we'll cover that next. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> for those watching uh jack casey is coming on to the fight club next week to debate flat earther theory and it's gonna be a great time <laughs> or put another way david hmm. fight's gonna propose a rounder theory to me and i you can decide if that makes any sense to you <laughs> it'll uh, be fun it'll be fun we'll have fun either way um, I'm, I'm i'm biting my lip i can't <laughs> before we started derek and i were talking Clearly about a cube. this did you say it's a cube what no <laughs> The Earth is Tyrannosaurus Rex shaped. Okay? <laughs> Best theory. Now, Jack, you'll, you'll love this. I posted on Twitter yesterday. Who makes the worst memes, the left or flat earthers? Uh, oh, some and, of them are terrible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I'll uh, agree. I'll agree. But 95% was voted for the left uh, out of like 130 votes. So, <laughs> That's encouraging, uh, at least. Yeah, there, at least there's that. Um, no, I gotta, I, you know, I, I will sit, share this real quick. I, I did have a discussion with a flat earther, uh, at the time I was working for Lockheed Martin, you know, filled it, you know, building the military industrial complex. Right. And, <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Right. It, a part <laughs> of me regret. died every time. Yeah. <laughs> well, this guy I worked with was a flat earther and, uh, I was talking with him and I found a, 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 a um, a central theme that we could kind of focus on and that is we're both really into guns and i bring up Cor coriolis force for whenever you have to, you're shooting beyond a thousand meters and i showed him the equation for a sp specific charge or whatever it was at the latitude that we were currently at uh shooting due north and i said you can see here that it you know i'm getting i now need to correct eight inches to the left uh, and if I go to the southern hemisphere, it's now eight inches to the right. And I thought I see the wheels turning and I showed him a ballistics calculator that checked all my math for me. And it was right there. And he comes back the next day. And he's like, you're using bogus math to correct for windage. I'm like, can you show me in this equation where you see wind speed or direction at all? Because it doesn't exist. And uh, interesting. It was, yeah, it was at that point I realized. I, there, I can't have this conversation anymore. <laughs> there, there are some. I don't want to say bad faith, but the, I, I've seen, I've, I've seen the, the good, and the bad on both sides of the stuff. Where, yeah, so some people seem to want to treat it more like a faith-based thing. I, I'll say this: it'd be an interesting conversation. I, I, at least at a minimum, I'll ask this: with how much has happened in the last two years, how much the, the scorecard of conspiracy theorists keeps getting checked off, 
versus normie world, right? We've got the uh, the sex trafficking pedophiles. We've got the uh, you know the, the COVID bullshit Turning stuff. The frogs gay, right? Yeah, hang, the, hang the more it keeps getting checked off, they're like, hey, maybe we should have microchips for the vaccine passport in your hand or whatever. <laughs> it's like extend extend at least some uh some sympathy for those of us who are at the point where we're like you know fuck it I, i'm everything's back on the table let's take let's re-examine everything i i mean you watch some it. old nasa videos or you watch some iss footage they're like dropping pens and zero gene shit and you're like hold on a second um at a minimum you know at a minimum maybe the flatter stuff helps show how much maybe our government has been bullshitting some stuff regardless of the shape of the earth right i mean i mean you don't even need that though (laughs) yeah you don't you got so much else that's actually definitive and provable like (laughs) ultra operation ajax you know oh yeah yeah it's just how far down the rabbit hole do you want to go how many red bulls can you uh can you swallow we're just gonna keep uh you know i mean if you're gonna travel figure it out next week yeah, if you're going to travel down the conspiracy theorist rabbit hole, I'd rather you end at uh, Flat Earther than like Holocaust Denier. So, because yeah. <laughs> I feel like you end up one or the other. Most of the people that I know that go all the way down those rabbit holes, it's one or the other. I will say that the <laughs> same individual that I spoke about at Lockheed uh, was also a Holocaust Denier. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like, dude, you you realize I I cannot have this conversation with you. He's like, I'm not trying to be anti-Semitic or anything. I'm like, I cannot even begin to have this conversation with you. Please stop talking before I punch you in the throat. Uh, yeah, I I noticed like with people who are Holocaust deniers, there's always two ways that they could do it, and one of them I have a little bit of sympathy for, which is to say. I think there was a lot more behind the scenes internationally that was going on that we're not being told about. I, and they, so they're not denying the Holocaust happened. They're denying that it started the way we're originally told. Okay. Yeah. We at least to, to be free to ask questions, that. right? Like, like right. numbers uh, and things like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But then there are people who say seven people died and that was it. And so oh, you've got these two really big spectrums where of a denier, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 when you go down these rabbit holes, there's, there's, there's pitfalls and there's other stuff that there can be a lot out there that maybe turns out to not be true or not. But I like, I like the people whose instincts are keep questioning shit because, you know, we, at least then we'll figure out what is and isn't bullshit by questioning it constantly by going, all right, why do I know this is true? Is this true? And, and if it is, how can I show it's true? You know, without relying on, you know, well, because CNN told me or something, right? Like getting to the, the source of why we know what is and isn't true about all this stuff. History. I mean, again, COVID is a great example of if they can pull off this shit with COVID in two years. Imagine how much we do or don't know decades later because they got away with other stuff, right? And and when you, if the same groups of people who are running the COVID, you know, regime shit are doing the 9-11 stuff or whatever else has been going on, it's like, yeah, we, we should keep questioning. Let's just see where that goes, see where that leads. And, uh, you know, it with respect to people, to obviously. Just, it would be safe to just adopt a position that if, this, if the government or the media says it, I automatically don't believe you. Um, I, I'm cool with that. Just about yeah. at that level myself. <laughs> 
Yeah, it, in a very like non-specific. It's like not even targeting any groups or anything. It's just like I'm gonna wait and see what I believe based on <laughs> what the media is telling you. Yeah, I like that. As- assume that they're lying as a starting point, and then work towards what is and isn't true about everything. Yeah, lie until proven truth. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I dig it. Uh, so before we wrap up, I want to give all of you guys another opportunity to pitch your books and uh, whatever else you guys are working on uh, and how you everybody can find your books uh, other than the links that are in the description. Um, so, Derek, you want to take that away? <coughs> yeah, sure. So uh, my book is entitled The Liberty Solution. Here is the uh, cover for it. Um, it's available on Amazon. Uh, you can just type in The Liberty Solution or Derek R. Wills. Uh, you'll find it on Amazon. Um, I have uh, paperback as well as audiobook. I'm still. I need to get the Kindle version up and going, but I got to reformat the whole thing. And it's it's. I, I, we talked about laziness. Yeah, been lazy <laughs> lately. So uh, so yeah, and also, um, gentlemen for Liberty Podcast. Um, Cody and I are going to be starting that up. Uh, I think this week, if not next. Uh, we'll be starting that back up. We've been kind of on a hiatus. He moved to Oregon and, uh, you know, I had a lot of things at work going on. So I just, you know, life and time. So we'll be starting that back up here soon. And, uh, of course, gentlemenforliberty.com and all of our socials, Gentlemen for Liberty. Uh, and Twitter is at gents, the number four Liberty. So nice. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, for my stuff, uh, you can always get the book uh, Bad Arguments, Guide to Logic Winning Debates. That's through, uh, you'll find on Amazon, hard copy or um, or the Kindle edition there as well. Um, as far as being able to follow me, obviously you can follow uh, Being Libertarian, any of its social media feeds. Uh, you can follow me directly. I'm not really on anything other than just Facebook for right now. So uh, if you just search Killian Hobbs author, you'll find me on there for the odd meme and occasional rant. Um other than that, big thing that I uh, put out there is that if you are an author that's looking for assistance with publication or you're looking to get something out there that's liberty-minded, uh, go to beinglibertarian.com slash champion dash books, and you'll see the email there as well as the base guidelines for being able to submit a book to us. And then uh, I'd look forward to talking to you, hearing from you, and seeing what we can make happen. Might help if I spelled champion right in the fucking English is hard. It's okay. It really is. <laughs> Me fail English. That's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jack Casey, how can people find your book series and you and everything else going on? Yes. Uh, JackCaseyBooks.com. Uh, it is sometimes a work in progress, much like my life. Um, I can promise you this. I, I'm on Facebook. I'm trying to get on the other things, sometimes on and off, sometimes the alt platform, sometimes the main ones. Um, you'll find me. Uh, you know, and I, I will say this. If you like the ideas and fun, fringe, weird things I talk about, um, regardless of which ones pan out to be true, uh, they make for great stories, and you'll often find similar fun themes and ideas in my fiction. So... Uh, if you like or are entertained by anything I've said tonight, um, buy some books, have some fun, and uh, let me know what you think. I appreciate feedback and uh, and uh, all Wait, that. Is stuff, the royal so. green set on flat Earth? That, well, I'll say this: it, you know they're 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 fantasy novels, so 
if they include some possible space stuff, does that make them fantasy or sci-fi? I don't know. I don't know. That's up to the reader to decide. Um, I'll let you figure that out. <laughs> nice. Uh, Harrison, you're up. So you can find all my books on Amazon. Just honestly, the easiest way is just look my name up, Harrison Kemp. Uh, go to my author profile. You can find all three of them. Uh, Closing Freedom is twelve fifty. A Parasite's Paradise is twelve fifty, and then A Brief Inquiry that is five bucks. So for thirty bucks, you can get them all. We're also on Kindle, and you can get all of them for like ten bucks that way. It's probably the cheapest way to do it. Uh, you can find my latest project at KempFermain.com. My blog site is down at the moment. It's all being rearranged given my, my upcoming campaign. So, uh, yeah, definitely check out my work and support me. And, uh, yeah, thank you for having me on, Dave. Good to yeah. see you again. Real quick, though, is that F-O-R main or the number four? Four, yep. K-E-M-P-F-O-R main.com. Right. Sweet. Super excited to see and... how that gubernatorial race uh, ramps up and pans out yeah it's looking pretty good i've got some endorsements in the works right now and some pretty sweet podcasts lined up for the next couple of months so really looking to make it work and try to get about you know 20 30 percent of the vote in this it'll be a three-way race so pretty excited nice nice well guys thank you so much for coming on this was absolutely awesome uh, I laughed way more than I was expecting to and really didn't expect it to get into a flat earth Holocaust denial co conversation, <laughs> but it got there. <laughs> um, guys, Long. thank you. So or, go ahead. Hmm? So, oh, I thought I heard somebody start to talk. Um, but uh, everybody, thank you so much for watching. Uh, if you haven't done so already, uh, I've had most of these guys' social media scrolling across the bottom. So go follow them. Go like all of their pages. Then go buy all of their books. And like I said, then you go lock yourself in the bathroom and read them all. <laughs> don't, don't come out until you've read all three Royal Greens as well as all of the other of these books. You've got like nine books to read. Um, hopefully it's a really long shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we'll be back here next week with um, with Ovens O'Brien and um, who else? Uh, James Siniak, who's running for Senate in uh, in Indiana, uh, and then also Jack Casey on the Fight Club discussing uh, Globe Earth theory, and <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have a great time on that. <laughs> Uh, if you haven't done so already, click the like button on this video and the subscribe button and the share button and send it to everybody so they can learn how to self-author books and get them out there and spread liberty through writing. Because uh, I think it's an awesome mission that you guys are all doing, and uh, I'm, I'm really glad y'all are around doing it. Um, Thank you, Thanks man. a lot, man. I, I appreciate the time. This Thank was you. fun. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll uh, we'll see you back here next week, guys. Until then, keep up the fight. Love you, David. Shut up and sit down.